right. Well, welcome back to the Strategic Imagination Sandbox, hosted by Learning Forte. Again, I'm Greg Klimovitz. I'm here uh, with Stacey Williams-Duncan and Keith Anderson as we return now for the final portion of Episode 6. Now, the concluding chapter of each episode hinges on assessment and evaluation of our work and leadership. Keith, we really are grateful for how you have shared with us some of your personal integrations and expansions in learning for leading. And while it's well and good to talk about focusing on near-term actions for long-term impact, especially for the sake of collaboration in your vocation, we do wonder, how do you know if it is working? In other words, how have you incorporated assessment in your work as a leader? Yeah, um, well, we're just about to come up on um, kind of a review of our strategic plan. Um, so we, we adopted it a couple of years ago. So we're, we're coming due to look and see how things are progressing. What have we accomplished that we hope to accomplish? Um, you know, what still needs work or to be more clearly defined in some of those areas that are a little more broad. Um, you know, in general, just week to week, I, I think just having a sense of the temperature of the congregation and the feeling of the congregation. And, and we've sort of said before, who are you hearing things from? And is there sort of a, an echo, a sort of a sense of agreement? Um, and sort of, you know, and what's happening and how are things happening? The new things that are bubbling up for us are definitely, um, you know, an indication for us that the things that we're doing are getting us to where we would want to be. Um, you know, as a staff, at times we'll pull out the mission and vision and values and we'll read them together and we'll talk about them. You know, where, where are you seeing this lived out in our congregation right now or not? Um, that's been something we, we try to do every so often in, in staff and just not let it be up on the wall, but just have it be a living document for us. Um, so some of, you know, we're, we're probably not as good, definitely not historically good on assessment, but I think we have something to measure ourselves against, something that we really believe in um, and that uh, that we can come back to. It's been really durable. So we'll, we'll continue to, to revisit all of the those documents and see how we're doing against them. I think that one of the things that um, we or I fall prey to is the biggest challenge that we find when we're working with seminary faculty or other higher ed faculty, which is I often fall into the idea that assessment needs to be at the end of something, that I need to get to a certain point where um, one of the things we say in our course design um, work is formative assessment always, summative assessment only when appropriate. And so formative assessment is, are the quick check-ins that you do along the way to make sure that you as a learner and a teacher are on the right path. And summative assessments are things you do at the end of a course to demonstrate that sort of totality of the learning that you've had. And so I have really been trying to think a lot more about like, how do we integrate formative assessments in to our ongoing work and to our ongoing process? And so like we at Learning Forte are thinking about like, how do we take temp the temperature of people on a regular basis um, instead of just waiting to the end of a quarter? Um, how do we sort of do that on a regular basis? So that part of that is, is that we don't let one person's narrative take over. So that we're giving a lot of little ways that we get input and feedback from a variety of people 
in a low stakes way so that somebody also feels okay saying, hey, that didn't work for me, but I know that I'm going to get to say it in a low, low stakes way where it's not going to have really negative impact on an individual. Um, so I think those are the things I've been thinking about with assessment is how do you make it more often lower stakes and easier to engage in? Tell you when I love that, um, and the times when we're able to do that better, you know, to have those milestones or those check-ins be be more frequent and more ongoing. It just also just takes the takes the edge off of it. You know, it, it just sort of but it hasn't built up into something that feels too big. It hasn't gone on too long that we can check in and then we can adjust and it's easier to fix also. So I can really. I really resonate with that when we when we do that well and it's something we're trying to do better it really makes a big difference for us. Yeah because one of the things you're saying is that the assessment is not just to kind of put a final bow on a product that you're delivering but the point of assessment is to make something better to refine, to improve. And, and I'm thinking about my experience as a learner, um, as someone who has been in classroom settings and how often, um, I would get the, uh, the summative assessment after a course is over. And there was a piece of me that really didn't care to offer feedback (laughs) (laughs) because my feedback had no impact on me whatsoever. Like I was, if the course was great, awesome. If the course was terrible, well, why do I want to be vulnerable <laughs> to share? Like there was a lot of that kind of stuff. So I would off, often like really hesitate. And it wasn't until you just said this that I realized that maybe that was part of the reason why I struggled to even do any of the course evaluations mm-hmm. um, was because like, what's the point if it's not going to have any impact on me? Whereas a formative assessment, there is an intentional like focus that what the feedback you are providing is also to your benefit, not only to the organizations. That's exactly right. Which brings me back to that whole piece about what's a model for experimentation, because I think that it's really different to think about feedback in the context of discovering if the experiment worked or not, instead of feedback of me as a leader. And I think that that is really important. And we need both, but it's important to separate them out. It's very easy in this kind of work to take it very personally and um, and, and nor- normalizing feedback and not just making it about yourself or any one person really makes it easier to share and improve. People hear me say this all the time. The reason to define your objectives is because you have immediately defined the window of feedback that you're going to receive. And if you get feedback that is beyond those objectives, that's feedback you have permission to filter out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. One of the things, <laughs> speaking of filter and all that kind of stuff, we shared with our sandboxers at the beginning of uh, a previous month uh, about how our plants and our gardens are providing us feedback regularly. Uh, letting us know if they're getting enough water or enough soil or if they're too vulnerable to any invasive rodents. Um, But not a single one of us would look at like a rotten tomato and think that the tomato hated us. (laughs) Like that tomato is providing me feedback and it must think that I'm a really bad gardener. 
<laughs> like we're like no really it's it just it's just telling you it wanted more support so it didn't land on the right, ground it's just information now on the flip side we're not plants we're relational beings so there are going to be ways that we give and receive feedback that need to be tweaked which is why we've done some of that work with our sandboxers to remind folks that feedback can sometimes be taken too personally or made personal um and all of that is the case and, and but really if we clarify our objectives and center the goal it allows the feedback to be put in its right lane yeah my my daughter um has a phrase for it she says it's um calling us forward so not calling us out but calling us forward and this is my 20 year old daughter who came up with this when she was a teenager and i think that's such a great great way to great twist uh, on that you know call to call call it forward and because you know when you know better you can do better and that's just sort of the ethos in our house and uh, our kids have taught us a lot along you know using that methodology so i like that just calling it forward mm. that's brilliant mm. So feedback calls us forward. And maybe when we are giving feedback, we should make sure that it's framed in a way that it calls that person forward and doesn't call that person out. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, how has feedback and assessment related to how you collaborate with others in your work? Well, I was thinking about um, as a staff a few years ago, we really had it was it was really difficult. We didn't really do a lot of assessment, <laughs> and um, we had a hard time, really. I think being open and honest with one another about how things have gone and so forth, and uh, that was just the culture at the time. So, the staff read uh, Brene Brown's book Dare to Lead together, and which was a great experience. And there's the book and all the the free um, materials that go along with it. And I'll never forget, like, one of the first exercises we were asked to do was, like, there are these 10 things that can cause um, uh, uh, 10 behaviors and cultural issues, you know, that can be present in an organization that hold it back, you know, from, from leading as it could. And so our homework separately was to, like, pick, like, our, our top two and, you know, come and talk. And I said, oh, I know. My, my, my number one is we avoid tough conversations, including giving honest and productive feedback. And I was like, this is like number one with the bullet for me. And we came into the meeting and every staff person had picked that one, every single staff person. And so we all knew it was a problem, but we all were complicit in it. And that was really, I think, a turning point moment for us to say, you know, we know this is an issue where, you know, and then later on in the book, reading different rumble skills that Brene Brown has and stuff, but just sort of acknowledging, like, we all think this is a problem, but none of us, because we're not open to a, a feedback and assessment, are articulating this. Um, so we really worked hard to try to create more of a culture of, um, you know, loving honesty. And I, I think it's, I think it's helped us all grow a lot. Well, thanks, Keith. And uh, one of the things that we love ending our episodes and our conversations with is a final word of encouragement to listeners and leaders. Uh, what is a word or phrase you would offer to those listening to this conversation? A bit of a benediction, if you will. Uh, my mantra for the last few years has been just be faithful. Just be faithful. Like when all the COVID stuff was happening and now attendance patterns are different and 
um, all these trends that were already happening have been accelerated because of COVID and um, just don't feel like you have the same traction or you're getting the same results for the, uh, the efforts that you're putting in. Like when I was really down at times, I would just say, just be faithful, just be faithful to like what God has called us to. And that continues to be my mantra. Thank you. Well, Keith, thank you for joining us on this episode. We're so grateful you have spent time with us and shared your insights on leadership. It is a privilege to know you. And as always, I tell you, I'm just so moved uh, by the important work that you do and the the really just genuine values aligned uh, pastoral leadership you provide, not only your community um, and your congregation, but your colleagues like us. So thank you for that, Keith. And I'm grateful to, to have been on this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I love the work that you guys are doing and I'm cheering you on. Thanks so much. Thank you.